Previously on Lead Block. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, he is a bad guy. I don't think he's very nice. I actually don't even think he's very smart. Well, so, I'm sorry, we, we can't really talk too much about Jerry Jones this show. Sorry. Wait, anyway, why not? a league source of mine was texting me back and forth. Very vigorous argument with my statement that yellow contains green, which went unquestioned by our great guest, John Kim. He knows what's going on. If you wanted to take that, that would be a plus 1489. That seems high. So I'm going with a very special Thanksgiving Moneyline Parlay. I'm going to go all in. They're putting me in a, in a tough situation. They want me to fill all this time. I can do Lead Frock in the episode. There's just nothing to talk about with Lead Frock. There is not total free will involved here. But anyway, let's move on. Sounds like I'm an unhealthy kind of relationship. right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode seven of Lead Block, the football podcast that charges forward, saying the things that need to be said, asking the questions that need to be asked, and getting to the bottom of what's really going on. And, you know, speaking of what's really going on, got a little too deep, really, into that last episode, so hopefully we will not repeat that. And really, I mean, just the less said about that, the better. So, so on today's show, we actually have another two-guest panel, just like last episode. Uh, I do what I'm told. So anyway, uh, actually, I'm really looking forward to the guests we have on. Uh, we have two of my old friends. One's been on the show before, John Kim, and our new debut, Patrick Rui, who will we'll give them their full intros uh, once we get into the body of the show. But looking forward to that combination of guests to be sure and in terms of the uh segments on today's show as always we're going to start with lead talk as you guys know we never deviate from that you know last last episode excluded and episode two anyway uh uh, then we're going to go into uh, lead frock Then we're going to have our new segment debut, which should be a fun one. We're going to be grilling uh, one of our guests about sort of the more technical aspects of football jargon and terminology. And then finally, uh, we're going to get into the old favorite, the old standard, lead chalk. And this is definitely an edition of lead chalk you don't want to miss. And I'll leave it at that. All right, so without further ado, let's get right into the show with John Kim and Patrick Rui. And we're here with our first ever remote guest. Well, we'll introduce him in a second. But first, John Kim, founder and CEO of Kobunga Korean Grill. Nice to have you here, John. Once again, the first return guest to First in One Show. Thank you, Julian. It's great to be back. Yeah, and, and John, as we know from episode one, uh, our resident Eagles fan, I mean, myself included, uh, excluded rather, but... Yeah, tough loss this weekend. I don't know. I I thought that the twelfth man would be a lot for us to handle. Doug Peterson isn't. The, well, yeah, we'll, the, we'll get yeah, into yeah, that okay. game. We'll yeah, get we'll, into that yeah. game later. So, we'll have to talk about. and then our second guest, we we did make some mention over the course of the show of a, a league source, and I'm not going to say this is the league source, but as I mentioned, he's the first remote guest. He's also a former NCAA Division One linebacker. Very impressive, uh, and not only that, he's the current reigning two-time league champion coach Patrick Rui is on today's show. Patrick, nice to have you. Glad to be here, Julian. Yeah, and and I got your your credits correct. I mean, that is all factual information, is it not? What was that last part? Two-time 
champion coach? Yeah, league championship coach. What team? Well, he's with the league, right? The league, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The league. Okay. He's, he's with the league, so he's <laughs> okay. the league champion coach. I mean, it all makes sense. Now, you also do have an affiliation with, I'm not going to say you're a fan of this team because you are a football professional, but uh, you do have a affiliation with the Miami Dolphins. Is that correct? This is correct, Julian. Okay. So now we've established you are a league champion coach. Uh, you know, not saying that was with the Miami Dolphins, but you know, you are a champion coach of the league. Now let's get into, we got the guest intros out of the way. Let's get right into our first segment, which is, as always, Lead Talk. All right, so Lead Talk is our segment where we go over, you know, the happenings of week 13 now in the NFL season. We're really uh, just blazing through this season here. Now, Patrick, as the football expert of this panel, any takeaways from week 13 that you want to uh, impart on to our audience? Well, just overall, I, you know, I'm an AFC fan, but the NFC looks excellent this year. And, 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 I'll, and I'll talk about what's wrong with AFC, but a couple of these teams, they're just the, the Saints look spectacular. They do. You know, Alvin Kamara is incredible. The Patriots looking pretty good atop the AFC. Maybe not so much anyone else. Although although Gronk's going to be suspended against the uh, the Dolphins this weekend. Do so, you see uh, what he did, though? What, do you think one game is enough of a suspension for that kind of foul? He hit this guy, like, completely defenseless in the back of the head and got a concussion. All right. Well, well okay. We, uh, sorry about that. But we, we got to – can't touch on that topic. Uh, now, let's let's just get right into uh, – Why is it that every time I every time I mention the word concussion – Okay, quick. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Lead shock interruption. Wait a second. Yeah, Julian, uh, I hate to interject, but I'm, I'm pretty confused by this whole uh, concussion thing as well. What's, what's <laughs> okay, going no, on? Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> we we got to keep moving. Keep moving. The lead shock, I mean, as we previously established on the show, we tape it on Mondays. So, you know, stretching the boundary a little bit here, not exactly breaking news, but Ben McAdoo fired as coach of the New York Fraudulence. Jerry Reese fired as GM of the New York Fraudulence. Wow. Uh, and they're saying, oh, this is a very uncharacteristic move of the, of the New York Giants, totally classy organization. I beg to differ. We, we've clearly established it's a totally classless organization. Josh Brown... Uh, kicker, domestic abuser, great example of that. Uh, Eli Manning, uh, accused of memorabilia fraud. I mean, this is not a classy organization. This is not surprising. Let's move on to the Week 13 review. Okay, back to lead talk. Okay, finally getting into these games here. Now, the first game that we're going to be talking about, the Minnesota Vikings defeated the Atlanta Falcons. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah, that Correct. was... Uh, I don't know if I can say I saw that coming because Julio Jones was coming off a huge game. Yes, he had in the previous game 268 yards and two touchdowns. He was held to very minimal production in this game. Two catches, right? 24 yards, if I remember correctly. Nice statistical uh, summary there. Not analysis as we've learned in the previous uh, episode, <laughs> but it is summary. Very good summary. Thank you, John, for that. You're welcome. 14-9 uh, to 9 was the final score. Patrick, your boy, Case Keenum... That is Pat's boy. Two touchdowns. I love Case Keenum. He is a stud. You know, he did what he needed to do. I, I I, don't think the Falcons are very good. This is not the same team as last year. What makes them different? The running back health has been a problem. Uh, I, Julio has not been himself all year. He had one good week. But other than that, you know, I, he 
He dropped that wide open pass in the end zone the week before. I just don't think he has the edge that he's had in the past, right? And their 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 secondary weapons just aren't the same. Do you think it's all Julio Jones or is it Matt Ryan's fault? You can see that Mohamed Sanu might well, be no, a better but... quarterback than Matt Ryan if, from that huge, huge <laughs> pass that you guys. That saw was last a great week. throw. That was a, that was right on the money. Put in Sanu in there as, as QB one. Uh, you you do love to take wide receivers and tell them they're quarterbacks. <laughs> well, that's really what your coaching staff, you know, not the one that you're serving on necessarily, but the, the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, we, we've talked about it. But okay, with that win in Atlanta, uh, Minnesota goes to 10-2, and two, and they actually took over the top spot of the NFC 10-2? and two? They are good. Yeah, the leader in the NFC. What did they start the season with? I, didn't, I had no idea it was that high. I don't know. As we've previously established, John, we only ask the questions that need to be asked in the show. <laughs> that one, not so much. You know, didn't really need to be asked. All right. Anyway, let's... It's been, it's been a while since I've been on the show, so... Right. <laughs> Got to learn the ropes again. Right. Yeah, I forgot the catchphrase. I'm sorry. Okay, let's move on to the next game. This was, was a game, I, I'm sure, AFC matchup. You were, I'm sure you were paying close attention to this one, Patrick. Miami defeated Denver, a score of 35-9. to nine. Miami, totally dominant performance on defense, especially. You know, there haven't been a lot of highlights watching the Dolphins this year, and that was definitely one. Their number one corner, I was looking this up, Xavier Howard, second-year guy, was targeted, I want to say, six times, let up two catches, and had two interceptions. One of them he ran for a touchdown. So he actually caught as many passes and had more receiving yards than the other team's receivers. Right, yeah. Actually, the Broncos' only touchdown was on defense. Correct. Jay Cutler, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those interceptions also went for a, a touchdown. Like you said, you had one, a pick six. You also had two safeties in one game. Yep, that's insane. Two safeties, and they blocked the punt, wow. which they should have returned for a touchdown, but the guy dropped it. Is Miami known for having that good of a defense? They are, because they got rid of Vance Joseph. Right, who is now the Broncos head coach. Oh, So rather fitting funny. game that our new and improved defense without our defensive coordinator showed off against the hapless Vance Joseph. So, Pat, good win for the squad. You're keeping yourself in AFC wildcard contention, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's a stretch. You got five wins on the season. So. Five wins on the season. They are technically in the hunt. Okay. We'll get to the playoff picture maybe a little bit later. Got to move on. So, Philadelphia Eagles against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Big lead up to this game. Philadelphia favored by six points. You know, our, our favorite lead shock segment. We'll get to that in a little bit. But <laughs> Seattle destroyed Philadelphia. The first time we've ever done this show off of an Eagles loss. 24 to 10, the Seahawks beat the Eagles. The Seahawks, they jumped out to an early lead and never looked back. There was coaching mistakes. Lots of coaching mistakes. Lots of coaching mistakes. I agree um, with either. We were down, I believe, three to nothing. And we were in Seahawks territory with a fourth and inches. And... Doug Peterson punted. There was a bad challenge of a spot, which, I mean, technically the, the spot was a bad spot. Again, it led to a fourth and inches situation. He goes for it, gets the exact uh, yardage after losing the challenge. So just don't rely on the referees to get yardage. You can just get automatically with a snake. Especially when your quarterback is 6'5". Exactly. And then later, there's the missed challenge that everyone's talking about. No one's talking about those two things, but right. there's the, the missed challenge later. Everyone's talking about the lateral pass that wasn't a lateral, etc. Speaking of the lateral pass, Russell Wilson, you know, our D-line is fantastic. I thought our D-line would just destroy their offensive line and destroy Russell Wilson. Uh, we did destroy the, the offensive line. The problem is we're just running downfield towards Russell Wilson. He just <laughs> right. steps up in the pocket. We have no answer. Yeah, exactly. Just turn around. And then Zach Ertz exits the game. He, he got a... Well, I, I can't talk about that. <laughs> Concussion. Um, okay, nope. And then, Pat, uh, did I just see 
Byron Maxwell making a tackle on Jay Ajayi? That's embarrassing. You're trying to pass this guy off to my team? What's going on? What gives? I, you know, I, I'm still... My internet was lagging. I'm still not believing this play happened because I haven't seen Byron Maxwell tackle anyone, let alone a, an NFL caliber running back. Right. Well, that last part is yet to be seen with Jay Ajayi. But I will say, though, like once again, if you're watching that game on the internet... It's on free TV, broadcast TV. I've told you a million <laughs> times. Just get an antenna. You watch it on HD for free. I mean, get on that, buddy. You're right. You have said that a million times. All right. So anyway, the wind was kind of taken out of my cells after this loss, but I, I can't say I wasn't vindicated by the loss because I've been saying all season, Doug Peterson, and I got a lot of grief for this from Eagles fans, Doug Peterson, he can coach from ahead. Once he falls behind, he has yet to win a game except against the New York Fraudulence, which why do we fall behind to them to begin with? So again, can't say I was really happy with it, but I was 100% vindicated. Uh, totally saw this one yeah, coming. Jules, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, man. I, I, I will give you credit. You have said repeatedly that Doug Peterson is not good at coaching from behind. But in our text thread, you repeatedly said that the minus six line was a steal. And you were going to, I want to say, quote, Eat it up? Uh, I might have gotten the wording wrong there. No, Julian specifically said, Eagles minus six at Seattle, best bet this weekend. We are going to absolutely kill the Seahawks. All right, all right, all right. Well, okay, let's let's slow down. <laughs> that was, that was what I was thinking of, yes. Where Where is the evidence that such a thing exists? You're just saying this thing. I, I don't remember texting you that. What I do remember is, let's actually go to a quick lead squawk interruption. <laughs> Lead Squawk. So as you both know very well, Lead Squawk is our segment where we talk about the online goings-on of the NFL uh, from October 14th, 2017, at the Barry Man, my Twitter handle. <laughs> Guys, at Seattle is not a win. Let's keep things in perspective here. Then at Lex Luger, sorry, at underscore Lex Luger. Uh, so he's not the real Lex Luger. But he says, we'll win that game. What makes you think we can't beat them? And I reply, they're the Seahawks, a team we haven't beaten since 2008, a team that's made it past the first round of the playoffs every year since 2011. We could absolutely beat them. I'm not picking it to happen, though. Vindication. Okay. Total vindication. So you think you can straddle the line and then argue vindication? I don't think that's vindication. All right. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) let's get back. You just said that once and then then you told us another thing. All right. So let's get back now to lead talk. All right, so we're back in lead talk. Can't talk about that anymore. I'll, it's, it's I'll drop on. Okay. But actually, that's the end of this segment. Uh, any other uh, kind of lasting impressions from week 13? I just don't think the, the Eagles-Seahawks game, um, the score suggests how close that game really was. Oh, that's a good point. There were plenty of opportunities where... The fumble out of the end zone was very costly. Exactly, the fumble out of the end zone, that would have been that would have been seven points to us. It would have been tied 10-10. Right, but that is kind of Carson Wentz's fatal flaw. He's constantly fumbling the ball. I mean, Right, so he shouldn't, that, that play call was terrible by Doug Peterson. Don't don't get me wrong. They should have just given it to JHI or LeGarrette Blunt with his freaking 265 or Corey pounds. Corey Clement. Exactly, mm-hmm. all these people that they can just run the ball with for six yards down to the end zone. I think it was a first down or a second down. Well, that's a good point. I like that, John. Thank you. Yep. Let's move on now to our second segment which is Lead Frock. Lead Frock. So Lead Frock, as you both know, obviously, the ongoing uniform controversy that we have been tracking throughout the uh, course of this season on the show. Uh, John, the last time we had an episode of Lead Frock was... Episode one. 
when we were talking about Kelly Green versus Midnight Green. As an avid listener, you, of course, know that it was actually on uh, last uh, week's episode. Oh, last episode week's episode. Six. Sorry. <laughs> great, great uh, loyal listener over here. Okay. I didn't so listen now... to last week's episode. Just... I did. For the record, I listened. Okay. Oh, thanks, Pat. I appreciate that. I may put you to the test later with that. But okay. Before we go on, you know, I, I did give a shout out to Colleen Wolf from the NFL Network last week uh, because she's raising this issue and keeping it in the forefront of, of the national media, which I appreciate. <laughs> also, just obviously, I need to give a shout out to Dave Damashek, who is made his hay as uniform czar of all of sports. <laughs> I'm kind of curious whether he will weigh in on the lead frock saga, but have to, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious about that. So with that out of the way, let's get into what we're going to be talking about today on lead frock. Oh, so, uh, cleats for causes? No, I mean, no. What is that? I, I don't. It was a charity thing uh, that uh, at least the Dolphins did this week. I thought it was all the teams. but Sure. But uh, everyone picked their favorite charity. Designed a specialized cleat, which uh, the players really got into. There were a lot of fun colors on the field. And then they auctioned off all of their cleats with all the proceeds going to the charity that they picked. Sounds nice. But I mean, where's the controversy? Lead Frock is this ongoing controversy. I, I don't see how this is relevant at all to Lead Frock. Lead Frock. Anyway. Let's just a quick review from this topic, because why are we talking about this? Uh, quickly, John, just as a review, what is the difference between Kelly Green and Midnight Green? And why is this significant? Well, let's just start with the difference. Yeah, I don't know if I can explain adequately why it's so significant, but, <laughs> but I will talk about what Kelly Green is the green that the, the Eagles used to use way back when. Um, before Jeffrey Lurie took over. It's a very bright green, lighter in color. Right. And then midnight green, we don't know if it's even green at all. Well, we do know it's not green, actually. Right. Yes. It's, it's cyan. It's cyan. <laughs> There's technically more blue than green in midnight green. Very good. Thank you for that explanation. But quickly, we're going to have another interruption. This is lead smock now we're in which is all about the visual components, and we're going to focus just this time on the colors, the color wheel. John, what is cyan? If you want to explain, what is cyan? Sure. Cyan is blue-green. Half blue, half green. Right. It's equal parts blue and green. It's its own color. It's a secondary color in the, in the RGB color spectrum. Pat, do you need me to explain why uh, yellow contains green? Or, or I don't. Uh, I don't think we have time, Julian. Okay, but in the previously on, you'll, you'll hear that you know, the league source. There's episode two did a good job of explaining why. Oh know. yeah, well, yeah, good good knowledge of the show's history. But yes, okay. Anyway, let's get back now to lead frock. Okay, <laughs> jumping around here. Frock. All right, so back to lead frock, and we're gonna stay here for a while because. You know, they want me to to keep talking about, well, okay, well, sorry, I'm getting out of myself, but we have to provide balance on this program. And we've been very positive about the Eagles, which is good. You know, that's that's my job, you know, as a fan, but I'm also tasked to provide balance. So I have to be tough but fair with Jeffrey Lurie. And in previous episodes, maybe I was not tough enough on Jeffrey Lurie is, is what I'm hearing. But I, again, I don't want to talk about too, that too much. So let me just kind of get into a little commentary here. Let me just start with the history of Philadelphia. Now, have you guys been to Philadelphia before? I mean, yes. Beautiful place. Yeah, it's a, it's a great city. Amazing city, really. A lot of American history there. Exactly. It's historical greatness that persists into the future, through the future, is, is what the city is all about. Now, as we know, the Constitution was signed in Philadelphia. 
Yes. Correct? Now, a lot of people, a lot of my uh, liberal friends, like myself, there's some problems with the Constitution. Uh, well, you don't have to be liberal to, to point out the fact that it enshrines slavery in the Constitution. I mean, that's clearly a problem. But the great thing about the Constitution is they give you the ability to fix it within the document. So it's actually a genius document. If you have any problems with it, it gives you the, the ability to change it right there. So great document. That was created in Philadelphia. Okay, so check that off. <laughs> now, also, but if you still have a problem with this whole slavery thing, and I don't blame you, well, guess what else is known about Philadelphia? Is that it's the birthplace of the abolitionist movement. Little people called the Quakers. Did that, not know that. Yeah. Philadelphia, it's all about this thing. But like you say, you don't know about it. People don't know the history of Philadelphia. They don't know how great the city is. That's also something that defines Philadelphia is the historical lack of respect that is showed to Philadelphia. Okay, so now let's move on to the Eagles. As I've always mentioned, it's America's team. Where are you getting these statements? Lack of respect that is showed to Philadelphia. Patrick just showed it right there. I mean, it's very oh, disrespectful. Uh, he doesn't know about the abolitionist not, movement. Not uh, knowing about the Quakers. Now, the Eagles, America's team, as I've always said, not the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> as we've just pointed out, the, the birthplace of the nation, Philadelphia. So clearly the Eagles are America's team. You know, people always say, oh, well, you never won a Super Bowl. Where are the rings? <laughs> you know, oh, Eagles fans are trashy. This is the dis disrespect I'm talking about. Well, how about the fact that the Eagles are three-time NFL champions, including back-to-back -back titles in, in 1948 and 1949. But I mean, like I said, I mean, great history persists through to the future. You know, we went through a tough uh, period in the 80s and 90s, but I mean... And the know. 2000s? Well, no, no, not really. No, the, the aughts was a very successful decade. Well, it, you know, if, if you really do consider no rings a successful stretch of your franchise, then uh, maybe you really aren't a storied franchise. Well, okay, again, this is the disrespect I'm talking about, Pat. Uh, here's what I'm talking about. If you've got a Patriots fan for a five-year stretch where they made the playoffs but didn't win the Super Bowl, you think they're going to say it was a good stretch? Well, the Patriots is all about new success. Oh, this is such a great team. The fact that they've had, you know, 10 years or 15 years of success. We're overrating that success because it just happened. What about well, they the back-to-back titles of the Philadelphia Eagles? Okay, so what about the more than back-to-back -back titles of the Patriots where they won, what, six no, Super Bowls? I don't think they've won any back-to-back -back titles. Have they won back-to-back -back titles? Uh, I don't know that they have. Thank you, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, superior franchise to the Patriots, as we've just established there. An interesting Thank statement. Thank you for fueling my point, Pat, by giving me that disrespect. We'll get okay, back to that. I, so if the I'm, Miami I'm not, Dolphins also won back-to-back -back Super Bowls 30 years later than the Eagles, are they a more storied franchise? Well, but anyway, okay. Uh, so, good point. Now, okay, but does... Uh, one of them where they went undefeated? Does Miami have the historical greatness of Philadelphia? No. Okay. Well, so, they have back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions. Okay. Now, <laughs> just trying right. to use your criteria. You're talking about as a city right now, or or as a well, team? Well, I'm saying both the Eagles and Philadelphia are defined by historical greatness that is being constantly spat on and disrespected by the mainstream media. Although the Phillies are the most losing professional sports franchise Moving in on, history. I'm not talking about the Phillies. This is a football podcast only. You're talking about the Philadelphia sports franchise. All right. Now let's move on to when Jeffrey Lurie, he took over the team in a down period, okay? So Jeffrey Lurie, he did some great things as soon as he took over. What did he do? He hired, well, not immediately, but basically, he hired Andy Reid as head coach, put him in charge. He hired Joe Banner as president, put him in charge. Then he did nothing. Great move. Lots of success in the aughts there. But he also did something bad, which is he changed the uniform. We went from Kelly Green to Midnight Green. And what did that do? He's washing away the history that makes us great. 
in order to rebrand the team in his own image and make it all about himself. And now all kinds of Eagles fans are constantly saying, well, they changed the uniform to Midnight Green because Kelly Green, we didn't have success with Kelly Green. Now we bring in Midnight Green and we're getting all the success. As you point out though, Pat, we didn't win any Super Bowls during that time. So how great can that success really be? Can I point this out? How many titles have we had in Kelly Green? Two. Three, John. <laughs> Got to work on your um, Eagles fanship a again, little bit here. I'm, but I'm a new fan. Number of titles in, in Midnight Green, Pat. Well, I will say that if they win the Super Bowl this year, oh, that's a good point. their ratio of Super Bowls to seasons played in Midnight Green will be superior to their ratio in Kelly Green. And they are looking very good. Well, we'll, we'll see about that, but okay. Hey, also, Julian, there, there is a strong precedent in the sport when you're struggling to change your uniforms. I mean, the Lions did it. The Dolphins did it. Well, the Lions are constantly doing it, too. They change it, like, every year. Well, because they're constantly terrible. Okay, well, I thought that's actually one of the teams you like. But anyway... I mean, the, the Jaguars have changed their uniforms. They're looking a lot better. Well, I, I would disagree on the aesthetic level, but... I said the team's looking a lot better is what I meant by looking. Uniforms are terrible, but they can play defense. That is true. They, they're looking pretty good this year. Uh, again, in terms of the football product, the lead frock, they're, they're still woefully inadequate there. Agreed. Okay, the conclusion of this commentary... Midnight Green represents running from our history, which is what makes the team and the city great. We need to switch back to Kelly Green. We need to embrace our identity of being disrespected and being discounted for our clear and apparent greatness. And we need to embrace the chip on our shoulder. I see where you're going with this. The Eagles as a team, we need to play with a chip on the shoulder of our Kelly green uniform. Again, we need the chip on the shoulder of our Kelly green uniform. How long did it take you to come up All right. with this? Anyway. So, chip Kelly. Okay, anyway. Like I said, I mean, this whole thing really, I, 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 I'm really scrambling to come up with something as a very cockamamie uh, commentary here. You know, they're, they're telling me, you got to talk about Jeffrey Lurie. Last week wasn't good enough. You didn't have anything prepared to talk about. You were just talking about the fact that we asked you to talk about Jeffrey Lurie and you didn't have any content to provide. So I had to come up with this whole thing about the history of Philadelphia and the history of the Eagles franchise for this whole thing to criticize Jeffrey Lurie to come up with some reason to criticize... Anyway, they don't want to talk about this. I, I, I just don't know what to do with this whole segment. So I, I, can't, I can't stand with these people. Anyway, let's... You okay, Julian? So who, who are... To circle back to last week, which I, I did listen to, by the way, um, who, they were asking some really good questions that needed to be answered. Um, who are these people? Okay. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> that's it for this segment. So let's move on to our next segment. But first, let's take a break. Okay, and we're back. Wow, the show is just flying by. Uh, I thought we were uh, behind schedule. That was a joke, you know. This is a little humor. <laughs> this is listed as comedy on iTunes. I got you. Okay, anyway. So our next segment here, it's a new segment debut, especially for our league champion coach guest, Pat Lee Grock. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I, I feel wow. pretty special with that entrance music, right? I'm, I'm a little nervous now. I gotta, yeah, it's pretty like that's, epic. That's pretty big hype there, yeah. Sci-fi theme there, which is fitting because grok. Now, what does grok mean, Pat? Grok? G-R-O-K, grok. What does that mean? 
I know who Groot is. No, okay. No. <laughs> well, maybe from the same planet. Grok, John, any guess without looking on the phone? I don't know. Okay, so Grok means to understand profoundly and intuitively. By empathy. So, yes. <laughs> okay, right. Didn't get that from the phone at all. Okay. Uh, so, so not Groot. Right. Groot, uh, a dim-witted character from some inane sci-fi movie, correct? But he dances. Okay. And it's adorable. It makes it all better. Okay, so let's go to Merriam-Webster, our old friend Merriam-Webster. This is a fun fact from them on, on the entry for Grok. Fun fact, Grok may be the only English word that derives from Martian. Yes, we do mean the language of the planet Mars. So that's the origin of this segment. All right. But, uh, okay. What the heck? So, <laughs> really? Yes, that's the, the wow. backstory for that kind of spacey intro that I had there. Huh. Why did you name this segment Lead Grok, though? So Lead Grok... There's a lot of terminology in the world of football, very hard to, to follow what's going on. So lead grok is where we endeavor to understand profoundly and intuitively various terms that are employed by football people such as yourself, Pat. Okay. And really, I mean, all this football terminology might as well be from Mars. It makes no sense. So we'll get into that a little bit. Can we take bets on how many Pat's going to get? <laughs> the bets are coming uh, next, actually. Well, but... then this is a perfect. Let's start with this. What, what would you say is the line? Yeah, I think Pat's going to get four. You think he's going to get four? I think he can get all five. Okay, so the over-under will be four and a half. It just depends on what, like how hard you made it. I think the under is favored, though. The under is like minus 115. The over is one, minus 105. But the line is four and a half. Okay. Okay. So what are you taking, John? How how difficult did you make these terms though? You don't know, you know like what the oh, game yeah. plan fine, of, yeah. of of Doug Peterson's going to be going into the game. Right. I'm, I'm okay. not going to give you all this information. All right, I'll take under. Oh, thanks a lot, John. Pat, wh- which way are you going? I, I got to take the over now. Taking the over, okay. But this is this will be very interesting. Okay, so my guess is that Julian made one particularly difficult well, for you not to understand. That would be something I would do, but he might try. So, Pat, as I mentioned before, you're going to explain this terminology to the audience, including myself and John, okay. uh, in a clear and concise manner. That is very important. And try not to lean on other pieces of terminology while you're giving your answer. Oh, yep. That could make it more difficult. All right, so let's start off with a layup. Lead block, the, the the name of the show. As I explained in episode one, I gave a very good explanation there, I thought. You, you did do an excellent job. Oh, really? Very correct, I, I may say. It sounded very good. Oh, wow, because actually we have to get into lead squawk once again quickly. Lead squawk. Hugh Mad from Bleeding Green Nation, his evaluation of episode one, not bad, only if you completely, quote, lead block out the memory of you explaining what a lead block is. <laughs> <laughs> so he disagrees with you, Pat, but I mean... But, All right, but, well, you know, the, the lead block, actually popularized by the formation that you love, the Power Eye. Oh, I don't know what that is, but... All right, well, the, the lead block is essentially... It's, it's a guy that, that hits the hole right before the, the ball carrier in order to clear out any people that may, uh, may have filled the hole. He runs the path that the runner is planning on running. Think of him like body armor. He's just running in front of the runner in the same hole the runner was going to go, and the first person that would have tackled the runner... This guy will hit. Remember to keep it concise, though, Pat. I think you had a pretty good explanation. Then you added about three more. All right. That, well, that's but... what editing's for. Don't get, get off my case. All right. So now let's go to John for the evaluation. This is a little wrinkle. I did not announce in advance of this. Oh, Ooh, I like this. But John, and he no, remember, he does have the, the under on this. But, okay. <laughs> 
That was pretty good, though. I thought. John. Yeah, he did a good job. I, I feel like this should this should be a practice round because it's literally the title well, of the show. Yeah, he should know right. what it means. Okay, that's fine. So he got that one right. Now, next one. Actually, you, you kind of mentioned it here, but remember my morning, you, you have to avoid using terminology in your answers. So Fair enough. The next one, right off of lead block, I-formation. Oh my gosh, so these are so easy. Define I-formation. Okay, well, the I is, a, is an, an alignment. The I, that would be I-formation. I'm the confused I, already. <laughs> the aforementioned I, all right, is the letter I formed by the direct alignment of the quarterback, the fullback, and the, the, the running back, or the halfback. Right, I was going to say halfback. So uh, your quarterback, your probably lead blocker, or kickout blocker, depending on where you're running. The quarterback is the lead blocker, you're saying? No, what? I said no. your quarterback, then your lead blocker. Try to keep up, Julian. And then, uh, and then your running back. Now, they also have a strong eye and a weak eye, mm. where uh, the fullback is offset to the strong side or the weak what side. What is the strong side? I, I don't understand what that means. Okay. Uh, well, the strong side would be to the running strength, which would be uh, the tight end, usually. I didn't know that. Or, or the strong side could be to the field. Uh, but essentially, the strong side is where you have more players. So a uh, common formation when you're going to run right at the other team would be to run in the strong eye and get your fullback right out there to lead block. That's like old school football where you basically said, I'm running right at you, try to stop it. So what would it be a situation where you would typically use the eye formation, if I can ask you? An obvious run situation. Or if you were a team that wanted to uh, run play action off of, a, off of a power run scheme. So an obvious running situation, would that include second and 10? Because that's what the Minnesota Vikings did uh, this past week in week 13. The Minnesota Vikings, second and 10, passed it to the fullback first down. Really? So not sure about your uh, your situational analysis there, but otherwise a pretty good analysis. No, I think that okay, was well, good. Well, okay, you well, John, know, you are the uh, official judge I, of this segment. So, John, you like that one, so we'll, we'll give that to you, right? Unless you have any objections, John? No, that was good. Okay. Let's, but, let's make these harder, though, please. So let's get on now to stacking the box. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, that's a good one. This is what happened with the Dolphins with Jay Ajayi. Oh, I do. So the box is the tackle box, okay? And it's called the tackle box because it is uh, an imaginary line from the left tackle to the right tackle that is basically the, the running area. Or, or the, you're, you're saying you have the offensive line is set up. That's where you have leverage to push people back. Yes. Yeah, so stacking the box, it means you think they're going to run. So you put defenders that are usually spaced back to defend the pass and you move them closer to the line of scrimmage to try to take away the run. Usually the most common way to stack the box is to take your strong safety and walk him down to put him as a fourth linebacker and run with a four linebacker defense and have only one safety. So you're saying anytime that you put someone who's not supposed to be in that tackle box in there that qualifies as stacking the box. Well, stacking the box is usually referred to when you put more defenders in the in the box. In normal football, you try to mirror as many players as they have. So stacking the box would mean you have more defensive players than they have offensive players. I see. So it's anytime you have a mismatch in terms of head count inside the box. Yeah, basically, uh, I'm going to take away the run and dare you to pass. Okay, so are you satisfied with that answer, John? I am. Okay. So three for three so far. Not sure about the concise uh, on your grading rubric. That is one element: is concision. Oh, really? Being concise. Okay, I'll factor that in. You must forward. be clear and concise, as I mentioned. He was clear. Two more to go, okay. though. Only okay. two more to go now. Okay. 
So in in uh, in uh, what's this fucking called? Lead Grok. Take it and bleep that out. Our, our fourth one, a little bit trickier now. You're gonna have to really explain this thoroughly, Pat. Okay. There's two plays here that, that I'm gonna ask you about: the end around and jet sweep. Now, to my kind of layman's eyes, I mean, you know, I am a professional in terms of making this show, but I am paid, uh, as we've established. But are, uh, are we getting paid, by the way? Well, no, you're volunteer basis for the guest panelists. But oh, of course. Anyway, so the end around and jet sweep, to me, it just looks like you're handing the ball off to the wide receiver. I mean, so what's the difference here? I, I, it seems like the exact same play. So in, in both plays, you are, are taking someone lined up in a receiver formation, and then they're going to go around to the far side of the field from where they started and try to get to the boundary outside of the uh, outside of the box that we just learned about. So it's an outside run. An outside run. Which play is this? Are you talking about jet sweep or end around? Both of them. That's what both of them are. Okay. Now, now the difference, the end around is old school football nomenclature referred to a flanker and a split end as your two wide receivers. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Terminology overload here. Okay, so so end around would be the split end running around. Okay. Okay, so you're you're going to the etymology here, which okay. yes. Yeah, so the origin of the name would be end around would be the split end. But so what defines the split end? You have to define the split end if you're going to use that in the definition. So the X and Z wide receivers. All right, or the what? <laughs> okay, what? that's what they're called. So no, but what does that mean? I mean, in a base X and two, Z. That's just. X, Y, and Z, where Y is the slot, and X and Z are the two outside wide receivers. Uh, in a in a two <laughs> wide receiver, John, the judge John, he doesn't seem too uh, impressed with this so far. But I have no idea what you're saying. In a two wide receiver formation. Okay. okay. Yes. Right. You got one guy on the left side, one guy on the right side. That's clear. I think I'm a one lame. guy on the left side, one guy on the right side. You would have you would have a flanker and a split end. Okay. What what does a flanker do, and what does a splitter do, or a split end? Uh, to my knowledge, they're just the two wide receivers. There's this terminology associated with them, but there's no explanation for the terminology. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the difference between the flanker and the split end. Ooh, okay. Oh, not off to a good start. So, okay. So, Pat, So, now... I will... So this, the end around is an outside wide receiver running around or a split end running around. Okay. Okay, that's my understanding. Whereas, whereas a jet sweep is the, the jet motion, which you'll what? usually see from... Uh, a lot of times, it's a running back playing as a slot wide receiver which would be the wide receiver on the inside. As we've seen in the NFL now, there's more and more running backs running as slot wide receivers to get that matchup right. on a linebacker. Right. We had to define slot there. There's a little terminology. The jet sweep is usually a running back or, or a slot, whereas the end around would be more of a, a split end running around. Not, I'm not totally convinced. John, the final decision, but I'm not really well you want to you're gonna have to look it up then and see that i'm right and then you can be convinced so john the final evaluation do you feel satisfied by this explanation do you know what these plays are first of all and do you know the difference between them yeah first of all i don't know what these plays are okay so i don't abject failure i would say i would characterize this well i feel like that one was on you julian because you're asking me to differentiate things that they don't even know okay i mean that that is fair i mean john if you want to say well i asked him what the difference was i didn't necessarily ask him to define i'm gonna leave this one up to you john I mean, Pat's a good friend of mine, so I might. I, I'll let it go through because I, I hope. Ooh. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you've got something harder. Drama here. Okay. All right. So the final entry now in lead Grok. Um, Watch it be what's a quarterback. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a little bit of a change up here. Okay. I'm going to give you three different defensive plays. 
Well, do I have to say what's the difference or do I have to define them all? I'm going to define these terms to our audience. You can see okay. kind of as a model how clear and concise these are Okay. Uh, for a future reference. We're, we're talking about three different defensive plays. Cover one. Okay. Cover two man. Okay. Cover two. Okay. Okay. So all very basic defensive plays. Cover one means there is one deep safety. Yes. The cornerbacks play man coverage. The other safety could play zone or man coverage depending on what he's assigned to do. Okay. Now, cover two man. Cover two man is you have two deep safeties. The cornerbacks play man coverage. True. Yep. Sounds good. Cover two, two deep safeties. Cornerbacks play zone coverage. Yes. Okay. Your task, Pat, is you must explain to me and satisfy my outrage that cover two man is horribly named. It should be named cover two, and cover two should be named cover two zone. In cover one, the cornerbacks play man coverage. Yes. Now all of a sudden in corner two, they're playing zone coverage? It doesn't make any sense. Cover two man, they're playing man coverage, but in cover one, they're playing man coverage. So it should be cover two is man coverage. Cover two should be cover two zone. You're going to have a tough time uh, winning this these points, Pat, but... Well, I think you're a little confused because cover one is usually run with a blitz coverage. So it usually is man, but nothing about the name cover one means man. But cover one typically, you, as you point out, does it is man is man coverage, right? Right. Uh, a lot of times you will, because if you're running cover one, it's probably going to blitz or expect the run. Right. We're all on the same page here. We've established that cover one is, man. is typically man coverage, yes. unless it's called cover one zone. Am I correct? Uh, I've never heard of that terminology right it doesn't but exist. to be fair i don't i've never heard of cover one being his own coverage anyway right to be fair so okay therefore why is cover two not a man coverage well julian um a couple things right you mentioned one and two but there's also cover three four and six no five though confusing no because six is a combination of four and two so cover three then would be three deep safeties uh, well, it would usually be one deep safety in both corners playing deep, but yes. But so not three deep safeties. So usually in cover three, both corners would play deep and then the linebackers would cover the flat. You're saying cover three is technically zone. So therefore. Yeah. Cover one is the outlier, not cover right, so two. So cover one is the outlier. You should be calling that cover one man. Yes. They, if you want to make an argument, right? So I all think the other ones are the zone. Other way. That's why we have cover two man. The default would so be hold on. zone. So then cover six would be six deep safeties then. No, cover... So Okay, so I just have to cut you off now. So any good system of terminology builds a set of rules and builds off of those rules. So no matter which way you want to argue it, these rules are in violation because there's no I'm, six deep safeties. If you're talking about no, the no, no, whole no, no, setup here is how many deep safeties you have is cover one is one deep safety, cover two and cover two man both have two deep safeties, and cover three, actually, you have three deep safeties, although already you're not really having three deep safeties. Cover six, this whole system is bunk. It does not work. John, I'm going to have to do to you for the final evaluation. What, what do you think of this? Uh, I mean, I, this is a setup. Yeah, in my in my opinion, it feels like a setup because in the English language, it's I before E except after C, but that's weird, right? Right, but there's a rhyme about it. Yeah, there's no such rhyme with football. Right. No okay, rhyme. but it's not it's but, not always but, true. But that's weird, isn't it? W e i r d. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Anyways. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. oh. Okay. Wow. Um, well done, John. <laughs> hey. So yeah, it was a setup, but I'll, I'll give it to Pat. Good job. You're giving it to him.
Yeah, I mean, he, he well, I'm going to have to overrule you there. <laughs> Pat, you did not get that final evaluation. I, I'm going to have to overrule John. I mean, enough is enough at this point. That's a horrible system of terminology. Cover two, man, should be known as cover two. Cover two should be known as cover two zone. That's it. So we, just, for, we already talked about this. Three, four, and six are all zone. Your, that's your it Your argument should segment. be cover one, not cover two. Okay, so Lead Shock, our favorite, uh, very important segment here, the gambling lines of football. Julian, Julian. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, John? First of all, why, why is it so important? And sec- second, I actually... It's the, all important because that's where we get to the bottom of what's really going on. It's, you know, we have all these media leads flying around with Lead Talk, for example, but Lead Shock, it's all the numbers. That's why it's so okay, important. But, I mean, so you I, see, I mean, I explained that to you in episode one, John. I mean, Right, but I listened to last week's episode and you mentioned that you're doing this show because you have to get out of gambling debt. I'm, I'm a little worried. Well, okay. Actually, John, um, that was on the previously on from last week's episode. The original clip there was from episode two. So I don't really. I mean, again, thanks for being a loyal listener. But <laughs> hey, Julian, I feel like you're uh, just you're you're kind of deflecting here, right? From uh, from John's point, which which I really think is a good one. I mean, what's the problem? I mean, I, I it's not like I'm hiding anything. It's like it was in episode two. I mean, it was just in previously on. I mean, whatever. We don't need to focus on it. But I mean, yeah. I mean, well, can you explain a little bit more? I'm. Like I'm a good friend of yours, and and Pat's here too. Like if something's a problem, just let let us know. We'll, we I, I really they, they they don't really want me to talk about it. I mean, it's not really relevant to the content of the show, which is getting to the bottom of what's really going on. No, it's completely so, relevant. What, let's get to the I bottom just, of the show. Know, I think it's relevant, Julian. Do you, do you need us to loan you some money, man? I'd much rather just give you a loan than have you. Well, I mean, it's a very substantial. Uh, anyway, we, we just don't really need to get into it. Let's just get into the week 14 preview and no, our, our picks but, for week but, 14. But Julian, like what, what is this bet that you made? Like I'm, I'm confused. You, you have to tell us how you got into this man. Honestly, what, like what the heck? No, I mean, seriously, dude, I have it under control. It's no big deal. I'm doing the podcast. It's all kind of part of this thing. It's fine. You know, that's it. I mean, we can just keep no, doing it. We need to get I into really the chalk, though. No, but I, I got to agree with John on this one. This is ridiculous. None of this sounds why, under control. I mean, what do you mean it's ridiculous? If it's ridiculous, like, we're not going y- on to the y- lead chalk. I mean, no, we really uh, care about you. I don't really care about lead chalk. This is okay, bad. But if you want me to get out of this debt, I mean, we're at to do lead chalk. So let's move on now to. Okay, but what is the debt? You, you you still haven't gotten into what happened. It's not that big of a deal, really. It's I was a huge dealing, deal, okay, man. I was dealing. Okay, I was dealing with. It's a very legitimate situation. I'm dealing it, with this. If it's legitimate, then why are you in such debt? Well, I mean, it's it's. I, I got involved with this interesting. You know. What 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 is interesting? There is, is an organization that I found listening to some. I don't know, some podcast advertised on the podcast, the Coastal Innovation Institute. Coastal Innovation Institute. That sounds fraudulent already. Well, no, I mean, it's it's very legitimate. It's actually a research organization. I got to say, I don't trust any of this. The, the whole goal is very interesting, actually, very much in sync with the topic of lead chalk. They offer bets without the Vegas VIG. Everything is even odds. If you take a point spread on there, it's even odds. Vegas, they give you minus 110 for every bet. Uh, this was even odds. I mean, it's a great deal. This is all about research. It's Innovation Institute. I mean, Julian, like, just out of the kindness of their hearts, like, they, they must have an ulterior motive. I, I right? don't know. Like, I mean, okay, anyway, we're running out of time. This is supposed to be a 10 minute segment. We're already well no, into no, that. No, no, no. So. We, we, have to, we have to stay on topic here. What, what made you lose the money then if it's, a, if it's such a good, well, you're a smart guy? I've seen your betting spread. 
spreadsheets, they're usually pretty sound, and I, I didn't hear about you making any bad yeah, bets. Okay, well, maybe there's a second set of books, but... What second set of books? I had certain other people's money, maybe. It got a little ahead of my, what? Ahead of my skis, but uh, anyway, let's move on to our week 14 picks. Come on, Julian. Lead Shock. All right, so usually on Lead Shock, we do a lesson about different methodologies that you can use to bet on these games and really make your investments and things of that nature. However, there's no new lessons this week. We're just going to focus on what's going on in week 14, this upcoming week. Not only that, the AFC playoff picture, Pat, our AFC expert, is going to be on here to analyze the playoff picture. Also, as an investor, these aren't investments, just to make that clear. Thank you for clarifying. Julian, I'm, again, very worried for you. Well, it is an investment. It's a, you know, it's an investment on you know, future events, but... It's a, it's a, it's a bad investment well if you do it through vegas not if you do it through the coastal innovation institute but anyway let's move on no there's the expected values that you lose well the, that's only if you do it through vegas again the coastal innovation institute, well, it's all best, legit then it's, your expected value is 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 a wash the, the market has a natural appreciation and, uh, all right right so let's get into our picks now you did a very good job of uh you know dissuading our listeners from perhaps uh you know participating in this but i'm glad someone's dissuading them let's move on now our first game here oakland Six and six at Kansas City, also six and six, tied atop the AFC West. I think Kansas City technically is leading currently, but this is at Kansas City. Oakland, remember, won their matchup previously uh, in Oakland, but now they're in Kansas City. Oakland plus four on the road, Kansas City minus four, the favorite uh, at home. Pat, you want to go first? I got to say, you know, I thought going into the year this would be an exciting game. I've never been less excited about a game this this is just these teams suck careful with the language there but okay i figure you could bleed me out um you gotta go raiders the, the chiefs are awful just horrendous wow you're going with the raiders plus four. Oh yeah i mean i'll take them straight up if i have to but yeah Ooh, raiders okay. plus four. The money line not available this week but okay very confident john i might have to disagree with you here um yes alex smith is on a Terrible decline uh, for this season. They started out really strong. I think four or five straight wins. Five straight, yeah. Five straight, yep. But but the last game, he showed some promise. Um, he's still as fast as he was, and I think he can... And still lost to the Jets. Yeah, they still lost to the Jets, yeah. That's terrible. But uh, they played in New York. Uh, now it's a home game. They have the support of the fans. Um, I, th- I think more and more games this season are showing how important it is to play at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Kansas City here. And that, by the way... In terms of the AFC playoff picture, they're kind of vying for the AFC West. The AFC, terrible. I mean, one of these teams could even get a wild card. But, no, they won't. Well, but, I mean, we'll get into this. some of these other teams looking for the wild card. I mean, it really not such a good picture here. But um, I'm going to take Kansas City minus four. Okay, next, our favorite punching bag, the Washington Racists. Five and seven at the Los Angeles Chargers, another punching bag of ours, but that, now they're showing some fight. They're punching back. 6-6 six and six after an 0-4 start. The Chargers at home, minus 6. Uh, you know, almost touchdown favorite there. Uh, which way are you going, John? Um, I'll take the Chargers here. They've got a much better offense. Kirk Cousins, not, not so great. Um, again, it's at home in L.A., although maybe there might be more. Uh, Redskins fans there. Whoa! Uh, can't. Yeah, who are the Redskins? Right. Well, the, again, oh, creating a lot of work for me here with these uh, <laughs> edits here. But okay, more Washington fans. Uh, I think uh, the Chargers will take this by minus six or more. 
And Pat, Washington plus six, Los Angeles minus six. I'm a little torn here because the Chargers are really weak against the run, and Perrine actually has shown some life lately. But um, Perrine, but yeah, he did rush for over 100. Perrine, whatever, he did rush for over 100 yards. So I, I, I will say, if if Perrine can get it going, my prediction will change. But I, I still like the Chargers. Okay, you like the Chargers. Wow, I'm going out on a limb here. I think Washington plus six is a no-brainer. Los Angeles Chargers, they have no home field advantage. Why are they favored by six points? The, the Chargers, I should also mention, by the way, they're the third six and six team tied with the AFC West. Very murky playoff picture there. So they could be in the division lead if they would do win that game. I like the Chargers to win that one for the record. Well, you took them minus six, so I'm assuming you like I them mean to, win. to win the division, but yes, oh, I see, I see. also to win the game. Phew. Okay. The New York Jets now, uh, hot off of a win against the Kansas City Chiefs, 5-7, and seven, one game back from the uh, AFC West leaders. I looked at the numbers. Technically, both of these teams are still in the wild card hunt. The New York Jets, 5-7 and seven at the Denver Broncos, 3-9 and nine off of that humiliating loss. The Broncos aren't in the wild card hunt. Uh, technically, according to the math, they are, uh, Patrick. With two and nine, they may be. They may be. I think they're in their division hunt, Julian. I see. Because their leader in division six and six. Okay, that makes sense. So they could make up that differential if the others lose out. But true, you're at least going to have one win off of that division matchup uh, at the beginning. But okay, so in this game, it's at Denver. The New York Jets minus one. They're favored on the road. The New York Jets favored on the road. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? The Denver Broncos plus one at home. Uh, I'll take the Jets here. Denver just looks terrible. Akeem Tlaib was out last week, which does make a difference, but they, they just look awful. They have no identity on offense, and they can't do anything. So you're taking? I'll take the Jets as well. They're, I just Their defense is pretty good, and there's, there's no way they can get anything going. Okay, so we're going three for three on that one. I've got the Jets on that also. Nice. Finally, the final AFC matchup here. New England Patriots, 10-2. and two league uh, leading uh, record at this point tied with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings New England Patriots minus 11 on the road at the Miami Dolphins 11 point underdogs at home I'll take the Patriots the Patriots well you're going with the public because I haven't been going through the odds of this but the public you can see through the odds is minus 115 the public clearly is on your side with this John yeah I mean they constantly beat the spread and they beat the spread uh, on even larger numbers than this like at minus 14 against other teams and Miami's not that great they lost to Jai and uh yeah I'm I'm for Tom Brady being two touchdowns ahead easy you, you know you're you are right they do like to run up the score and they are known for blown out spreads but I, the the thing is I'm going to have to go with the Dolphins here because Gronk is suspended and is not playing, which is very significant because the Dolphins can't cover a tight end worth a insert bleep word here. Um, so uh, I'm, I, Gronk absolutely torched them for two touchdowns last time. He torches them every time he plays them. And the fact that he's not in, I think, is significant. And, and because of that, I'm going to probably eat crow on this, but I'm going with Miami plus 11. At home. Still think they'll lose, but... Plus eleven. Oh, they'll lose for I sure. I think they can save money. I think they can beat. I think they can cover. I'm with you, Pat, on that one. I'm going with Miami plus eleven. I think they could win outright. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but uh, <laughs> I don't think you should bet on anything, Jules. Yeah, you're not betting on anything, Julian. 
John, take his credit cards. Listen, I mean, l- listen, uh, last episode, my Thanksgiving special parlay really paid out. I went all in on that bet. I- I'm really uh, digging myself out of this hole. But, okay, oh, I mean, it's very slowly. I have to finish doing this podcast, number one priority. But, anyway, okay, that's it for this episode. Lead. All right, well, that was a, uh, well, kind of an exhausting show, really, but... Uh, it was nice to have Pat and John on the show, you know, shoot the breeze about football. You know, always fun. Not sure they really needed to be barraging me with all those questions, really. But, you know, this is the show where we ask the questions that need to be asked. But you know, typically, I'm the one determining whether the question needs to be asked or not. So a little bit thrown off my game with with all those questions on defense constantly. But, uh well, I, well, I'm complaining. I mean, I might, might as well just point out, you know, I, I had this two-guest panel on on the Thanksgiving show, and this company, it's just these idiots at this company. I, I, I cannot stand working with these people anymore. Uh, they're, they're insisting that I get on these two-guest panels. It's just insane, like, the editing required for these shows. I mean, just ridiculous. Hopefully next episode we can get uh, just one guest on the panel, really. But anyway, great show. Um, week 13 is in the books. Our next show, week 15. And after that, just one more show, week 17. So, you know, as I just mentioned in Lead Shock, can't wait for the season to be over at this point, just to be perfectly honest with you, the uh, the listening audience kind of... Can't stand doing this show anymore, really. But only only two shows to go. And actually, these shows, there are going to be good shows. I, I will say that. These these shows are going to be very good and you know, potentially season finale, pretty epic show. But all right, that's it. So until next episode, week 15, stay behind the lead block. Coming at ya. Charging forward. Saying the things that need to be said Asking questions that need to be asked Getting to the bottom of what's really going on